Ultra. Hello and welcome to Lord of the Rings Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie, The Two Towers, one very close call at a time. I'm Norman Mitchell. I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. And today we're talking about Minute 201, which starts with Frodo's crazy eyes and and, and Sam saying, what are you doing? And ends with Sam and Frodo tumbling down some stairs. Yes. And hitting the ground pretty hard. Is this the third time someone stumbled downstairs in these movies? In this movie, in this movie in particular, yes. Uh, it might be. It just might be. Worm tongue. Yeah. Okay. An elf. <laughs> just an elf. Yeah. And then Frodo and Sam. Yeah, yeah, three times. Three times in this movie. On screen. On screen, someone rolling down steps. Off screen, apparently, Aomer probably. Probably Aomer. Presumably. So I have I, I have some things about the first part of this minute. Okay. Faramir specifically shoved these two hobbits away and told them to stay put. Right. You would think some of his other men would realize he's done this. And he leaves them alone. And then Frodo, in zombie-like fashion, wanders out past a bunch of people. Well. Nobody so much as looks at him. Hobbits are... are sneaky. Naturally, um, they are hard to spot on a good day. Also... <laughs> it's broad daylight. <laughs> no, no, okay, I'm not done. So... Hobbits are small, and they keep out of sight, generally. Just in... I don't know. That's like a racial trait of theirs? Like, they just have weird hobbit magic? They're like the silence. People just ignore them. They have a perception filter built in. And they're wearing their elven cloaks still. Yeah. And also, they're under attack. <laughs> that That is true. And... By a single Nazgul. Faramir... Well, also orcs on the eastern shore, because yeah. they, they were getting pelted with rocks. Faramir has not selected a guard, therefore, nobody knows who is supposed to be watching the hobbits. But, like... But everyone else assumes that they're fine. Like, oh, Jeff is watching the hobbits. Oh, yeah, and then Billy's them, watching the hobbits. One of them wanders a bunch, wanders past... A whole bunch of dudes. Right. But it's like, hey, are they supposed to be doing that? Oh, no, it's fine. Jeff's got it. Like, Jeff, Jeff's got it. He, Good old Jeff. Reliable. That's what they always say about Jeff. Jeff, reliable, last name. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Lastnum. <laughs> Jeff Lastnum. <laughs> So Frodo just wanders past, don't even, they really, they don't even look at him. No one in the scene, it's like they were all told, well, actually, obviously, Frodo's not there in what they're filming because he's pasted in green screen style. Oh, right. So 
they didn't have reference for where Frodo was going to be or had any, or even knew Frodo would be in the shot. So no one looks at Frodo in the scene. He just wanders out past all these guys, which looks really funny when you're just examining the scene itself that the guy Frodo is like two feet away from that he walks by mm-hmm. doesn't even react to him. <laughs> it's like he, he's not even there. He's he's got a lot going on. There's that guy, wraiths on wings. Yeah. Like this guy's wraiths, wraiths on wings. Not a good, not a good place to be. And then Frodo wanders up some steps onto a little causeway. Right. And here comes the Nazgul. <laughs> hey, hey, Frodo, what's up? And uh, Sean Astin and Elijah Wood in the commentary talk about how they feel this scene has a lot of religious iconography associated with it or like looks like it would be like a religious painting but instead of Frodo looking up into the light towards salvation he's looking towards damnation yeah and I think that's kind of cool and not a way I would like necessarily have thought about this moment but when you kind of break down the the posing and the lighting and the the environment they're in there's something to that, be, this being like, he, he's offering something to a higher power in mm-hmm. his, the way he's standing. Yeah. But that's not something that's going to be good. Right. So I think it's, it's kind of a cool way to look at it, I guess. Well, it's a, uh, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Gosh darn it. Illusion. No. Reference. No. <laughs> Allegory. When you take something and you flip it upside down, like the Fresh Prince of Bel Air's world. Oh, I'm, um, uh, <laughs> subversion. Yes. Yes. Thank you. I gotcha. We got flip turned upside down. <laughs> yeah. We're good. We're good. Oh my gosh. It, I like that it is a subversion of, like, religious iconography, because, like, we talked about. Theoden being a martyr almost and and painted in that light and then mm. also like yeah Aragorn is the main character like one of the main characters like one of the heroes of this story but I think for this movie it's Frodo and Theoden yeah they're they're really the they're the driving parts of the two narratives right for the most part so to have both of those characters, like, shrouded in, like, quasi-religious uh, iconography, imagery, yeah. like, imagery, I guess, is interesting in the scope of this movie, because, like, we... Is that this week, the the victory montage? Sam's monologue? I think so, yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, So... At least some of it. We we have had a deliverance, and Theoden has proven himself like worthy, basically already. But we haven't had that for Frodo yet. So to have like the juxtaposition of like, hey, we're gonna we're gonna like I don't know, just like the juxtaposition of the victory or like the turning of the tide at Helm's Deep with yeah. Frodo's darkest moment is interesting. Right, because Theoden's already got through his darkest hour. Right. And Frodo is really just beginning his... Right. ...at the end of this movie. So. 
because Frodo kind of proves himself worthy of being a hero just through the way that he shows mercy to Gollum. Right. At the beginning of this movie. And then he falls further under the sway and the burden of the ring through this. And his darkest hour is just beginning. He's not going to, he's not really there until halfway through movie three is really like his lowest point. Halfway through movie three? I think his, I guess it's kind of arguable what Frodo's darkest hour is. Like physically his darkest hour is when he's nearly killed by Shelob. Like, that's physically his lowest point. But, like, mentally, it's his darkest hour is when he tells Sam to go. When do you, what do you mean? When Gollum can, when Gollum convinces him. Oh, actually, that's before Shelob, I guess. Like, mentally, Frodo's darkest hour is when he's convinced by Gollum to turn Sam away and tell him to leave. Oh, okay. Like, there's a difference between, I, I guess you could say there's a difference between, like, when someone's mentally at their lowest point. And then physically at their lowest points. Right. And you can point at those as two separate places for Frodo. I would say But they're kind of the same place for Theoden. I would say it's later for Frodo. Like, I would say it's when he's, like, dangling the ring in the when volcano. When he says no. Yes. <laughs> I don't... Yeah. Frodo's... I mean, Fro- we'll, we'll Frodo goes up and down. Movie. Frodo goes up and down. He's, a, like... This is a dark point for Frodo right, here. Right. And then through the end of the movie, he takes an uptick because Frodo goes constantly up and down. Right. Because he's contending with an active force. Uh-huh. It's not something, it's not something solely internal. It's something he's actually fighting and struggling against constantly as an outside force. So it's a little different than the way that like Theoden Everything that he struggled with is solely in his own head. Well, I, after being freed from Saruman's curse, I don't. I mean, but he's also reacting to external, like you know, like he has to lead his people away. Right, from- but his his despair and his hopeless feelings are framed as an internal struggle, mm-hmm. not an external struggle. Whereas Frodo's struggle with the Ring is external. Like, it's against an active external force. The ring is treated as its own character. I don't know if I agree with that, because Frodo's... I think Frodo's is painted as both internal and external. Like, um, like when you were watching the, the commentaries, and Fran and Philippa were talking about Frodo in this scene specifically... How they were talking about this movie has all been like Frodo dealing with like the mental ramification, like the emotional ramifications of being a ring bearer. And then the next movie is the physical ramifications. But the mental ramifications don't go away. No, they don't. And I mean, I, I guess just in comparing it directly to Theoden, Frodo's struggle seems considerably more external than the way that Theoden's hopelessness is. Theoden's hopelessness is him taking things well, and then pointing them directly inward, whereas Frodo is dealing with an active force. They, but Theoden's hopelessness is in reaction to external forces. Yeah. It's not just, like, completely self But not something he literally carries around that whispers to him in the night. I mean, yeah. 
I mean, like, I mean, metaphorically. like right, but literally, not metaphorically. Okay. Like Frodo literally carries around an evil object that whispers to him. Yeah, I know, but I'm just saying, like the like grief and and hopelessness and um all these things that uh uh like self worth and just all these things that Theoden is dealing with, like that probably, you know. Right. I'm. I'm. I mean, they're. They're one thousand percent legitimate responses to everything that happens to Theoden, but it, it's not framed the same way as as Frodo's struggle, at least to me, because the movie goes out of its way, especially movie one, to tell us that the Ring has its own mind and is its own character, and is pressing actively on Frodo from like inside of him. It's pushing on him directly. Well, it's not like it's not quite the same as Theoden. It's not really the same thing. Theoden doesn't have a demon on his shoulder whispering, kill your friends, like, while I mean, he's sleeping. He did for a while. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's true. So I don't see how... But, he, but most of the story with Theoden, he's not under that influence. It was broken, and Wormtongue is gone. But the- he's dealing. He's dealing with solely the aftermath. He's not dealing with the active force still in his person. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm like I understand that, but I don't think they are as dissimilar as you are picturing them. Mm. Maybe I I view Frodo's struggle as different than Thaden's because Frodo constantly has something whispering to him. He constantly has something actively pushing against him, where Thaden reacts to things by withdrawing, and Frodo is meeting things head on. So there's more of an ebb and flow in Frodo's struggle. Whereas Theoden is... How do you mean? Theoden retreats from the things that cause him right. pain. Right, no, but like... Whereas Frodo is... Frodo has to constantly actively contest with the will of another of another mind, but I basically. But I don't think that he does. And I think that this moment... Because if Sam wasn't here, Frodo would be dead. Yeah, because... Frodo would be Nazgul food. Because yeah, because he's being broken by the ring. Because the this moment is taking a moment from the book and reinterpreting it to suit the needs of this mo- this movie. Right. Because this is m- supposed to mirror and it's more of a direct threat on Frodo an instance in the book outside Minas Morgul when he he's watching the nine leave to go to Gondor and the witch king can tell that the ring is nearby. But he can't find it. He doesn't know for sure where it is. Mm -hmm. And there's this frozen wearing on Frodo's mind thinking about like, and the ring is pulling his hand to itself, but he's able to stop himself from grabbing hold of it. But like they took that moment from the book and like, well, what if Frodo had grabbed it in that moment? What if the ring had been able to force Frodo to grab hold? Uh And that's what they're doing here. Right. So like that is the ring actively pushing on Frodo. And in the book, he's able to push it aside. It's an active, constant struggle. But in the book, in, in the movie, he has failed that particular test against the ring just now. Right. And he has done so repeatedly throughout this entire movie. So I don't understand. Like, Frodo, especially in, like, Fellowship, Frodo begins by withdrawing. Like, the whole point is to get him to withdraw. And isolate himself. That's why it's pushing Sam away. Like, that's why it's telling him to push Sam away. Because 
it, the whole point is withdrawal. So I don't understand. Right. But Frodo himself is, is pushing against that force from the ring. Like every day that Frodo wakes up and doesn't push Sam away, he has won his nightly struggle with the ring actively. He has actively pushed it away. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. But it's also impossible to tell when the ring, like, I know that the ring is active, but it's also impossible to tell, like, if the ring is active, like, 100%, 24-7, let's go, or if I think it we're meant also to assume ebbs and that flows, it is. like Frodo does. Because I'm, I think we're meant to assume the ring is constantly active, because it clearly pulls on Gollum 100% of the time. Right, but Gollum, like... If if that were true, I think and that's they why would have like killed each other. But that's why it's so incredible that Frodo survives his journey as the ring bearer. That's part of the point. The ring is twenty four hours a day, constantly gnawing at his psyche. I think that the ring also ebbs and flows with Frodo. Because it's obviously more active here because there's the like the Witch King is here. Or I don't know if well, this it sees is a the chance, Witch King. So but it like, kicks further into high gear. Right, exactly. So that's not if it was at 100% already, it would be in high gear all the time, constantly. Yeah, but it it's it is it can be active without being at 100%. It's not like an anime. You can't just say, like, 1 million percent <laughs> it, yeah, ring smash, you know? Yeah, the <laughs> ring gets its shonen power up and it goes right? to town. If, 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 if the ring was already at in high gear, you can't, you well, can't the ring go has, to 11. But the ring has access to, like... In, in a way, the ring has access to more power when there's another ring nearby. It only has so much power separated from the other rings. So that's not 100%. And separated from Sauron. It's 100% of its personal power. But not all the power it can access, given okay. the opportunity. I'm still not convinced. Like, that's part of why it's a big deal that Frodo is able to, like, not give in in the end. I mean, yeah, it is a big deal. But, like, it's... Because... I guess, I guess my point is how big of a threat do you feel like the ring is supposed to be in the story? I, I guess my initial point was like you saying that Theoden and Frodo's struggles were different in the way that they react to them doesn't ring true to me because the, the whole act of withdrawing is. But Frodo's withdrawal, except for his initial hesitance to go on the journey his withdrawal from everyone else is caused by the ring yeah not his own reaction because frodo's reaction is to do the right thing that's why he chose to take it in the first place frodo's reaction is to do the active thing and go make this right that's who frodo really is every action of him trying to withdraw from everyone right. is the ring's influence trying to isolate him but like i guess Theoden is more abstract, but that is also true of Theoden. Like, Theoden proves himself to be a good person, and he decides to, you know, ride to his death. And, right. But all of these, the things, the way that he reacts to these things is not who he is at his core, which no, I guess is what I'm getting it's at. It's not, but it's... Like, the way that some of this is put together and the way that it's... It, it, Theoden's struggle is an internal struggle with his own grief, his own disappointment, his own uh, sorrow. Right. Because he feels like he caused it. And he convinces himself that it's his own fault. And then when the chips are down and all seems lost, 
with the help of a friend, he pulls himself out of it and it's time to do the right thing. Right. But all of that struggle is because Theoden himself has convinced himself that these things are true. For Frodo, the ring has convinced him these things are true. And right, the ring, but the ring stan- is a separate entity, though, in the story. In the story, yes. But, like, in the, like, thematically, it's the same thing. Right. But, yeah, they deal with the same sort of struggle. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, thematically, yes. Narratively, they are different struggles. I Narratively, they are, like, not apples and oranges. They are, like, Fuji apples and red delicious apples. <laughs> it's yes. the same thing but they it's slightly it's like sh- like it's slightly different i don't understand because <laughs> the way that you are explaining it to me it, it sounds like you are saying this is one thing this is a banana and this is a rubber duck <laughs> and the way that i'm saying is they're both yellow they're both yellow <laughs> <laughs> you know <laughs> I, I guess that it just rings very differently to me because the ring is a separate, like it does, it is a active separate entity. It's not like, it's in the way that like depression and addiction are similar in the way that they affect right. you mentally, but, but the root cause is very different. I would argue that Theoden's insecurity stems from Saruman's influence that still lingers. Just because you've, like, banished him. <laughs> banished. Doesn't mean you've, like, banished him, you know? Like... Yeah. But I mean, like, I, I guess it... I guess it's really more like the difference between, like, depression and addiction. Yeah. And I'm not a psychologist, and I'm not gonna go, like, so far into that, but, <laughs> like, the... Because Theoden's struggle is the is his reaction internally to things that were done. And Frodo's struggle is trying to push back against an external force that he has trouble overcoming. Okay. I'll allow But it. he occasionally gives in to. Yeah. And Frodo is made stronger every time he's able to deny it, but weaker every time he gives in. Right. So he's constantly, he's constantly going back and forth in a way Theoden doesn't across the movie. Okay. Theoden is... Theoden is like going down a hill and then he comes up a hill. Frodo is on a roller coaster. <laughs> like there are, there are two hands on the wheel and they do not agree. Like that's that's Frodo. Okay. Yeah, that makes more sense. Thank you for phrasing it like that. Because up until this point when I think of Frodo struggles with the ring, like I am reading it specifically as a struggle with depression. Even though it, like, is more closely aligned with addiction at right. this point. So, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> like, the difference between Theoden and, and Frodo's struggles is more like depression versus addiction. Yeah. See, that makes yeah. sense in my brain. Boom. We got there. <laughs> Consensus. High five. <laughs> okay. So, one my, like, my note, though. <laughs> I have, like, but a single note. <laughs> but a single note. This beast takes too long to eat Frodo, and I don't understand why. Well, I think that this scene is supposed to be, like, slightly slow-mo. Yeah, but at the same time, like, Sam is, like, wrestling with him. Sam doesn't just grab him and throw him over his shoulder and run. Sam, like, grabs his hands, separates them, and then shoves him out of the way. He, like, pulls him back, and they both fall down the stairs. And then the beast, like, I know it's not going to eat him. 
but like it goes to grab him and it hesitates and I don't understand why. <laughs> From the 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 Nazgul's perspective, just swoop and grasp that little dude. <laughs> yeah, swoop grasp. Like you're a large predatory creature. <laughs> it is a small it is a small humanoid shaped packet of meat for you to devour. <laughs> like this is this is what you're supposed to do. It's your food. That's that's your your bonus lunch. Like, right. come on, man. Your bonus lunch. <laughs> you probably already been fed. This is second breakfast. Come on, my dude. Let's go. Yeah, I like bonus lunch. This is your bonus lunch <laughs> for doing such a good job. But yeah, no, I um I understand that it's supposed to be in slow motion, but Sam lingers a little <laughs> too long with Frodo on the balcony, and then I'm just like, why is it not eating him? And then away they go, and Faramir shoots this thing in. Yeah, he, like, barbed the bowmans that day. Yeah, and then it just kind of flies away. It's just like, dude, that hurts. Uh, I mean, it hurt. It hits right in the heart. Like, if this is inspired by the moment in the book, then presumably this is the Witch King. Yeah, that would make sense. Just flying around. Just like, hey. Hey, girl, hey. Which also, like, leads to the wound on Frodo's sh- uh, shoulder being magically tied to the Witch King, too. Yeah. So it's just another thing to pull on Frodo when he's in proximity. But my thing is, if it is the Witch King, why doesn't his shoulder react? Like it did last like time it did the Witch last King time. was nearby? Yeah. yeah. Maybe this isn't the Witch King, but it's inspired by a moment in the book with the Witch King. Yeah. Which would make me think that it's supposed to be. It's but maybe to this tell is just Dave. Part? Yeah, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> maybe he's just like, I don't really want to kill these hobbits. But the, you ever the, think we're on the wrong side, guys? The, the 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 creepy dragon eel thing does. Yeah, but he's in control. Yeah, but not of not of its like talons. Or maybe the creepy dragon eel thing is just like I don't want to touch that thing. That feels evil. I mean, I'm evil, but that feels evil. <laughs> that that is evil with a capital E, my friend. That's 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 all four capital letters. Like I don't want that. Like you, evil. you you're a capital E. Like that that's the capital V I L. Like we're not <laughs> we're not dealing with that. <laughs> unclean so like where do they sleep in mordor if sauron is at the top of the the food the evil food chain deep in the earth where sauron found them why okay but why would winged creatures <laughs> be deep in the earth i don't know you're asking the wrong guy that doesn't make any sense just I mean, bats live in the earth right but they also like they don't live in the earth I, I mean, they do. That's where they spend their time other than eating. They go outside at night to eat bugs, and then they sleep inside the, the cave during the day. They also raise their families inside. That's where they live. Yeah, for like a month out of their the year. Their home. Like, we live in an apartment, even though I'm not here for 11 hours a day. I still live but here. We are not. Shut up. We are not winged creatures. That were spawned deep in the earth. Dude, the Balrog had wings, too. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, but the Balrog is an ancient spirit, not originally chained to the earth. I guess, yeah. You know, he's going to fantasia his way through the top of that mountain. (laughs) Is that Night on Bald Mountain? Is that what that that music's called? Yes. There we go. Cool. Yes. I don't have anything else for this minute. Yeah, I just, I'm like, why does the creature hesitate? I know why. It hesitates, but like... So that Frodo doesn't get eaten. Right, but like, why? <laughs> because a creature like that would be like, oh, I'm going to grab this one. Oh, that one's bigger. Give me that one. <laughs> I want that one. It's slow and fat. Oh. Gimme. 
Stupid fat hobbits. <laughs> Maybe it doesn't like the sound of the pans clanking together and it's just like, ah. It, it's not like. <laughs> it's like a cat. It's, it's like, ah, oh, loud noise. I guess. Sure. I don't know. That was my only note. It would make more sense if Faramir shot it first. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Faramir has the time to shoot it because Frodo, like, does it's the stupid thing. standing there. He's like, what is happening? Oh, no. Like, Faramir should have shot the Nazgul in the head. He had time. He, yeah, his, 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 um, his reflexes leave something to be desired. Was it, like, was he just like, do I want to watch this hobbit get eaten? I don't know if I want to watch this hobbit get eaten. Dude, if Legolas was here, Legolas would have <laughs> shot this thing, like, 50 times by now. Yeah, directly in the head. <laughs> Only in the head. Kill shot. But... <laughs> Faramir's just like, do I want to watch this hobbit get eviscerated? I, but... Morbid curiosity? No, I should do the right thing. Oh my god. Morbid curiosity? Do the right thing. But it's not even morbid curiosity. Like, he... He already told his dad he had a present for him, and the present's about to get eaten. He's like, maybe he'll drop the ring. What? Everyone is incompetent in this scene. Yeah, no one's one's doing what they should be doing. The guards? Faramir? The Nazgul. I just, I just think it's so funny. The no only, one reacts to Frodo. The only MVP in this scene is Sam. Sam is the only one that's just like, no, no, no. Just have a roll of newspaper and whack the the fell beast <laughs> on the nose. Oh my gosh! Bad dragon thing. Bad. Anyway, <laughs> we're from the website duelinggenre.com. Check out the site for a bunch of other podcasts. And if you'd like to support us and the site, you can go to duelinggenre.com slash support to support us on Patreon, where for as little as $3 a month, you'll get Scott Pilgrim versus The Minute. And for $5 a month, access to a whole bunch of other stuff. No. Oh. $1 Scott Pilgrim. $3 is everything but Geek by Night stuff. And $5 well, is, is everything. Geek by Night. Okay, yeah. I messed that up. <laughs> it okay. It's Okay. We'll be back tomorrow to keep talking about this this tussle between best friends. Uh, as always, special thanks to our Patreon associate producer, Ed Foster. Everyone